welcome back to another week of education, the Teachers Talking Terror podcast, where myself, Mike, and myself, Courtney, are back with another special guest. She's sitting right over here, and when you see Ella, you know that it's time for a Scream movie. So, say hi, Ella. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this week we are back to watch Scream 4, um, the fourth movie in the Scream franchise, but the first one after a long break. Um they pumped out, let's see, Scream 1 was like 96, and Scream 2 was 97, and Scream 3 was 2000, and then they waited 11 years uh, before they pumped out Scream 4. I think because Scream 3 left kind of a bad taste in everybody's mouth with the whole, you have a secret brother is the killer, and, and it just, people were like, okay, okay, things are getting a little, like, a little weird where now our killer's in California, you know, he's like in Hollywood as opposed to Woodsboro. It just felt really, really like you're reaching. Like it was really desperate. Um, but we are back with uh Scream Four, um, where our cast is back. Um, granted, all eleven years older, you know, we still have uh Sidney Prescott, who is now a successful writer. Um, you've got Dewey and Gail who are now married, uh, and Gail had to give up the big city life to come live in Woodsboro with now Sheriff Dewey. Um, and that's really it because we've been chipping away at our main characters throughout the series. So we've got, we're down to our, our main three, but we do have a whole slew of new people. This is like, I feel like, which I don't know, but I feel like this was maybe like a what do you call like a coming out movie for a lot of people? I mean, oh, like we've yeah. got Hayden Panettiere, yeah, um, Kristen Bell, which she was probably in things before this, but like Lucy Hale, the Shanae Grimes Beach, like yeah, Emma Roberts, Anna Paquin. Yes. There is a good like solid cast mm-hmm. here. Yeah, there really is. Um, they just I, hadn't they just hadn't done anything yet. Right, <laughs> right, like. I, I do. I really like this cast that they have. Um, besides Emma Roberts, I, I've never, I don't know, she's just kind of cringy to me. Yeah, I'm, um, I, I'm not a big Emma Roberts fan. Um, it's She's Julia Roberts' niece, which, yeah. which I mean, just Hollywood is like any industry. Like, nepotism is going to show up. Yeah. Um, and so, Emma, you know, Emma Roberts... I believe her dad is an actor, Eric Roberts, who's seriously been in like three to 400 films. Like the guy wow. is all over the place. Um, but yeah, she's, she's related to Julia Roberts somehow. So it's like you, you aren't this like, Oh, I was spotted at a McDonald's by a talent mm-hmm. agent kind of story. It's like, no, you've been around the industry your whole life. It, yeah. In a lot of ways, like, like the acting world feels a lot like professional sports. You know, yeah. of like, well, I grew up in the locker room. I, been, you know, so I, you know, this is what my parents do or this is what my aunts and uncles do. You know, so this is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, we say that, you know, because we even look at like David Arquette, who plays Dewey, like it, he comes from an entire family of, of yeah. professional actors uh, whose siblings have been in all kinds of things. And his dad's been in all kinds of things. It's like it is it just is what it is. So, yeah. But I agree with you on Emma Roberts. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not really, she's just kind of like stale bread. Like, yeah, like 
if I have to watch it, I will, but right. yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to turn it off, but I see Emma Roberts and I feel like if they were going to do like, like the OC again, like she would be somebody that would fit. Yeah. You know, like a little better than soap opera quality, but not quite mainstream right. film. Speaking of the OC, um, so you watched the original, right? The original OC? No. Yeah. Oh. No, no. Okay. Well, <laughs> Deputy Haas. Yes. Um, Adam he Brody. Is, I, I love him um, from that TV show, The OC. And actually, he's the reason that I wanted to name my child Cohen because his name is Seth Cohen in it. I just, okay. so when I saw him in this movie, I was like, oh. I right. love and, him. And it's like, it, it just shows you how, like, packed this cast is because, yeah. like, like Deputy Haas had really nothing to do. Like, no, and Deputy Perkins, yeah. he's um, Anthony in Anderson. the Anderson. He's from Blackish. I'm watching yeah. that right now. Like, I like him. Yeah. So, you know, Ma- Mary yeah. McDonald's success- successful actress, like uh, Marley Shelton, she's been in a lot of stuff. Um, like, yeah, there's, this is, this is a stacked yeah. cast. Um, but we do get, we get, <laughs> we get four of them out of the way right away. Yeah, we do. <laughs> of the stacked cast. Anna Paquin, who she was in the X-Men movies as Rogue. She was on, um, True Blood. Like, she's one of those actresses that like, if you're in that, if you're in that universe of fandom, then you're gonna be like, oh my God, she's the greatest mm-hmm. actress ever. Uh, you know, but it's like we get um, Sinead Grimes and Lucy Hale right away, almost like a vibe of because remember this movie takes place um, like 15 years after the original, yeah. so we're looking at an entirely different generation of film goers where Scream Four just might be their first Scream movie, yeah. Um, and so they're watching it, and and really what we're watching is we're watching the intro to Scream. Mm-hmm. phone calls you're at home these two play up a little bit more um they're talking about some movies that they like you know like it's there well shocker they get killed um exactly you know it's like that's gonna happen and but really what throws for a loop is they get killed and then like the title screen for stab six drops and we're like oh yeah. and we see anna paquin and Kristen bell watching the movie so we're like, oh, yeah. you, you got us. Like, you tricked us. Your your introduction to this film was actually the intro to a movie that two, that two of our characters mm-hmm. were watching. Like, oh, okay. And and that made sense because these two were sitting on the couch. And Anna Pack was just going nuts about how stupid decisions they make. Um, she gets up to get some popcorn, comes sits back down. She's still just griping about just how dumb the actors or how dumb the characters are in these movies. Uh, and then Christabel whips out a butcher knife and stabs her in the gut. You know, sometimes watching movies with people, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I want to stab anyone, but sometimes <laughs> it is. It's like, just shut up. Right. Just shut up and watch it. Yeah. And like that, when I, <laughs> I love when she said that, like she yeah. stabbed her and she's like, will you just be quiet and watch it? Right. Like, yeah. Yes, please. And she's just <laughs> blood out, stabs her again. And then the title sequence of stab seven drops. (laughs) So we've been duped twice now that Mm -hmm. we aren't watching our plot line. We are watching introductions to two of the stab because again, the stab franchise, the movie within the movies has been going on since screen two. And it's like, we took some time off. So now they're up to stab seven. 
Um, yeah. And so uh, it, it got us, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, you know, kind of threw us for like, oh, yeah. So now I guess we're watching our movie. Like after two false yeah. intros, we're finally into screen. After that, film. I didn't know if it was the movie or not. I didn't know if we are going to do that again. <laughs> yeah, just two right. straight hours of, of looping all the five <laughs> intros. I thought maybe it was like, oh, we're introducing the scream killer like right off the bat. Yeah, so yeah, which would have been which would have been would have been kind of cool. Yeah, to be like, oh, like we see that she's the killer now. She's going to be floating around in the cast the whole movie, and and we know what no one else knows. Like that, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, no. We're back now in our plot, and so where we are is back in Woodsboro. Um, we do we do get two of our character characters um in our third kind of opening <laughs> because yeah we actually come to two characters that are watching stab 7 so they watch the intro to stab 6 and the intro to stab 7 because they're actually watching that movie so we got uh Jenny Randall and Marnie Cooper just two whatevers. There are two mm-hmm. actual teens, so it feels like the third time we might be duped. Um, and so they get phone call. It's your standard cat and mouse ghost face mm-hmm. thing. They get phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of them actually reveals something that we hadn't seen yet because this franchise has never had a smartphone. Yeah. You know, with the last one coming out in 2000, there weren't any iPhones or smartphones yet. And so one of them like goes upstairs to do something. The other one's a little creeped out and she calls her. Um, and she's got a, she, she even comments, she's got a ghost face app on her phone. So now you can download a voice changer. Um, and so that's kind of a cool prospect because every voice changer we've seen thus far has been a, a physical hold in front of your mouth. Yeah. Um, but now they can just do it over the phone. And so, um, that really brings in a new element to this movie because all these kids have phones. So mm-hmm. now instantly everybody's a suspect, even when they don't necessarily wouldn't have been in the previous film. So they're, they're killed like dead. Like that's just how it works. Um, but really the main through line of the movie is Sydney's return to Woodsboro, which is like the first time she's been back since all this happened. Yeah, she's promoting her self-help. Right, yeah. And she's got a she's got a publicist, which is a useless character, really. Um, yeah. And so uh, just somebody to build into, are they a suspect or are they going to be a victim? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sydney's back to promote, like you said, her self-help film, like Out of the Darkness. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a flip because Gail lives in Woodsboro. And has given up being a reporter because of the success of her book. So now she's trying to write books because there's nothing to do in Woodsboro. <laughs> and now Sydney is the successful author coming back to Woodsboro and Gail's trapped. In Wood- it's it's kind of a, yeah. I, I like that kind of dramatic element to it because we've seen, we've seen Sydney and Gail as opposing forces in the first one that eventually came together and then they stayed together through the next two movies. 
and now because of their distance, there's not like there's not any personal jealousy there, but you could tell Gail's got some animosity. Right. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. trapped in your town and you're out being a successful writer. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we see Gail. Well, Gail she just kind of gets a short stick of it all. Yeah, she really does. But well, we see Gail at the computer. Like, she's trying to write a book. And yeah. she, just, she just can't. <laughs> Which, honestly, the line that she wrote, I thought was, like, a great opening line to a book. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, that would be a fun opening line. Like, I have no idea what to write. <laughs> like, oh, cool. And then, yeah. you know, you're reading the rest of the book. So, you uh -huh. obviously need to get over it. Um. Yeah, so one of those girls' phones was missing, and the police have pinged the location, and it turns out it's in the it's in the trunk of Sydney's rental car. Yeah, so they shut down the book signing. Right. They, I mean, they shut everything down, and Sydney is like the suspect. Yeah, here. there's it was like a bloody knife, the cell phone. Yeah, and like a picture yeah and and of course like <laughs> and it appears that like sydney doesn't have her books in boxes apparently she just has them stacked nakedly yeah. in the trunk of her yeah. car <laughs> like i thought that was a little goofy but so now we got to flip that okay um there hasn't been any murders in woodsboro since sydney left sydney's back there's now murders and she's like the prime suspect Mm -hmm. So now she has to stay in town, which yeah. is convenient for our plot because she's the driving force of the entire franchise. Um, then we spend a lot of time with the others, the the kids. Yeah, because Sydney's what, family. Yeah, what's a Scream movie without teenagers? Right. Um, we've tried that. Like Scream Three didn't have teens, and honestly, I could see from a marketing standpoint that maybe why it was less successful. Scream 1 was a hit with the teens because it had teens in it. Scream 2 was a hit because college isn't too far off. But then Scream 3 was completely mm -hmm. adult. Yeah. And so it didn't hit as well. So let's go back to the kids. And that's what they did. Um, we meet her cousin Jill. Um, conveniently named Jill Roberts, played by Emma Roberts. <laughs> Got to make it easy for these kids. Yeah. Um, she's dealing what she's dealing with what many teenage girls deal with, uh, a cheating ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And he, she's struggling because he is like, no, I want you back. I want you back. And, um, smart enough. She does not go back. Right. But, um, yeah, they're, I mean, they're writing to school, her and, uh, Olivia. Olivia and what is Hayden Panettiere's name? Kirby. Kirby. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and they get these phone calls. Well, Kirby doesn't, but the other two do. Yeah. Olivia and Jill. Um, and just like, you know, what's your favorite scary movie? Blah, blah, blah. Um, just the basic ghost face call. Yeah. And um, so they get in. I don't remember... Does Dewey get them first or do they go to Dewey? How do they end up talking about the phone calls? Um, I think they go to him. Okay. Because he would have had no reason to go to them. Yeah. Um, just kind of talking about like 
telling about the phone calls, Sydney's like, yeah, like that's, you know, and it just kind of, I mean, it's just like a filler point. I feel like, um, Sydney is staying over with Jill and her aunt and, um, is this where it was? I'm all jumbled up. I'm like, Ella, I think I've forgotten everything well, it, now. There's, <laughs> there's just so much. Well, and there's, there, honestly, there's too many characters. Yeah. Like, there's too many characters given something to do. Because we also meet um, Deputy Hicks here, who has a big crush on Dewey. Yeah. Makes him lemon bars, you know, and tries to get in, you know, tries to get in Gail's way any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form she can. You know? Yeah. Um, so they give her too much to do. They actually give Perkins and Haas too much to do because again, these actors, you know, Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson, like they have that, like they're known actors, right? So you can't just shoehorn them in there and give them nothing. So it's like, everybody feels like they've got, they've got lines. So you've got so many people talking. Um, I do want to comment real quick on Anthony Anderson's character, Perkins, his actual name in the movie is Anthony Perkins. Now, way back in Scream 1, we talked about how Billy Loomis, the Loomis part of his name is because of the the love interest in Hitchcock's Psycho. His name is Sam Loomis. Now, they named um, the psychiatrist in Halloween Sam Loomis as the same homage to that character so we got billy loomis which is you know fun little like oh loomis i remember that name from psycho well anthony perkins deputy perkins here um norman bates the killer in psycho the actor's name is anthony perkins okay so it's another like hey let's do another hitchcock throwback yeah um and so that's it's completely useless trivia but that's what i'm good at is completely useless trivia (laughs) um and uh, and then of course Deputy Haas, his first name is Ross, so his his actual name is Ross Haas. So there you go. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you're right though. There's just so much going on. Like Gail's got writer's block. So because of her writer's block, which I, I get this plot point of like, well, we need to give Gail something to do. So yeah. let's make sure she can't do her job. She can't write. Mm-hmm. So now she's like, this is what I do. I'm going to help Dewey investigate these murders, right? Which, and she started just spawning again. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So I'm going to help Dewey investigate these murders, to which Hicks tries to get in the way. And Dewey's like, I, we got this. You know, like yeah. he's, he tucks the rug out from under too. And she's like, no. You know, I, yeah. so she, again, just kind of goes rogue and does her own. But you're right. So we got um, Sydney is staying with Jill and her aunt. Olivia lives next door and Kirby comes over to Jill's. So we've got Kirby and Jill in the same bedroom together, just hanging out. Yeah. Sydney's like off on her own. Right. In the spare bedroom that everybody has. Everyone's got a fully furnished spare bedroom in their home. Yeah. Um, And... Jill and Kirby get a call from Ghostface, you know, and, and they're like, they're watching Shaun of the Dead. They're just hanging out. But yeah, like, and there's officers parked outside 
and they get a phone call and Ghostface is telling them like exactly what they're watching, exactly yeah. what's going on. And and he tells them, I'm in the check the closet. I'm in the closet. And so And I do like this because yeah. Kirby's kind of been like this bad girl kind of like yeah. I'm not scared of you. Right. Like she, I like horror movies, yeah. like whatever. And then she, like she's actually scared. It's like Yeah. Because well, it's like it's, it's in her face now. Like yeah, it's like in the classroom, and it's like we need an adult, and then it's yeah. like oh shoot, I yeah. am the adult. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, or when you get kids mouthing off in front of their friends, and then you yeah. pull them aside, and they're like yeah. oh man, yeah, you got real. Uh huh. Um. So they do. They they whip open the closet, and there's nobody in there. And so they call Ghostface out for his lie. Ghostface, like I didn't say I was in your closet. Yeah, and we just see him jump out and go ham on Olivia. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Throwing her all over the bedroom. Like it's stab city next door. Um, you know, Sydney puts two and two together real quick. Like Jill and Kirby are just screaming. Sydney's like, you know, I, she does, which now we, I can't say we now know Sydney's not a suspect because again, we've seen the screen movies. We know there's always two killers. Right. But she's obviously not this killer. Um, so she takes off over to Olivia's house. You know, long story short, they find her. She's dead. Um, and Ghostface takes off when the police show up. Like, like Sydney and Ghostface have a knockdown drag out fight. Yeah. Like, and Sydney yeah. holding her own because she's sick of it. Um, but Ghostface flees out the back door. The cops come in through the front door. Um, you know, Hicks shows up. Checks the perimeter. Well, Hicks is one of those that shows up when nobody knew she was coming. So now, like, oh, Deputy Hicks is here. Um, she's yeah, she's the blonde one. There are too many names. Yeah, I know. There yeah. are a lot of names. It's very hard to keep track of them. And so, uh, yeah, she she shows up, but Ghostface gets away. But not before Olivia's killed. Um, and so they, everybody's, well, Sydney's got to go to the hospital because she's got a cut on her arm. And, uh, she overhears Rebecca, her publicist, which is, again, a useless character. Yeah. But she overhears her excitement about these murders because that's going to boost book sales. Hey, I mean, which it's unfortunate that they that they died, but as a publicist, you're just doing your job. Yeah, like... right. Yeah, it's like, I, it's, it is... It is obviously taboo to talk about that, but yes, um, you know it's unfortunately there are industries in this world where one does get, I won't say excited, but they benefit from correct like this. I mean, yeah. when we ran the flower shop there for a couple of years, we were never excited that someone local died ever, right? But it always did benefit. Flower mm-hmm. shop. I mean, our business yes. wise was, yeah, we would get called and we would do the funeral spray, and then people would. It, it just, it was a lucrative thing. Um, again, obviously, we were never excited to make our money that way, but mm-hmm. it's unfortunately how it happened. That's just the way of life. Yeah. So Sydney fires her publicist, who then gets murdered in a parking garage. Like, yeah. My issue with a lot of these movies, especially this one, is the screen movies try to base their killings and their their murders, I feel like, in a little bit more reality 
as opposed to Michael Myers and Jason mm-hmm. and Freddy as your main, or even Chucky. Like we know Chucky's a doll. So what it's like, it's not real. Like instantly it's not real. Freddy mm-hmm. haunts you in your dreams instantly. Not real. Jason dies at the end of every movie and then is resuscitated at the beginning of the next one. Clearly it's yeah. not real, but the screen movies at least try to base it in like physics. Like, yeah, you know, like you're not going to see one murder teleport to another spot. Somebody's going to be right. breath or whatever. It just threw me off. Like how, like this murder in particular, there was no reason for Ghostface to know that Rebecca was going to be in the parking garage at that time. No. Like the, for this murder in particular, it just felt like let's introduce a publicist so that we can kill them later. Mm-hmm. And when, when I feel like when a lot of movies do that, if they're doing it too loosey goosey, you do get these kind of don't fit the narrative kills. And this was one of them. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Like Rebecca served no purpose. She was completely forgettable. Right. Um, and yet we, we put her in so we can have another murder. Yeah. Uh, Gail's still going rogue. Um, there's two, yeah, she's yeah, <laughs> she's got some partners. Yeah, now. there's two people we haven't seen yet, and there's a high school's got some like film, like some film club. And one guy, um, who's apparently got the the greatest battery pack on a camera I've ever seen. Um, yeah, because he live streams his entire life, everything, and the school lets him do it. Mm-hmm. Like no problems. Cause there's never, you never see a teacher. You never see an yeah. administrator. Um, but she, she talks to Charlie and Robbie, the resident film nuts about helping them out. Like, Hey, you're live streaming all the time. You've got access to cameras and I'll be glad to come talk to your uh, movie club. Yeah. And, Which, and unfortunately they're like, what about Sydney Prescott? Right, can you get us Sydney? <laughs> Such a slap in the face, which, like uh, Sydney did, like yeah, which I thought was kind of odd, but whatever. Um, and so basically, these two play the role of Randy mm-hmm. because Scream One had Randy, Scream Two had Randy, but he was killed. Scream Three had a videotape Randy made before he was killed. So this is these two play our Randy, yeah. Um, one of them, Rory Culkin, uh, the dark haired kid, um, he is the younger brother of Macaulay Culkin from the Home Alone movies. Wow. They look nothing alike. No, they don't. But yeah, it's, they're brothers. Wow. Um, there, there's multiple Culkin kids that are in Hollywood. Just not as successful as Macaulay Mm -hmm. Culkin was as a kid, but He's not working and they still are. So, yeah. Um, so one of them, Charlie, I don't know which one's which, but Charlie has an idea that Charlie's the dark dark one. So he's got this idea that I think the killer is following the rules of like horror remakes as opposed to horror films, which scream Four kind of is a remake. Teenagers dying in Woodsboro. Like, there you go. Um, and so that's their plan. Gail and Sydney are there. And so they're, the boys are talking about every year 
they host a party called Stabathon, where they marathon watch all of the stab, all seven stab movies. So Gail and Sydney are like, oh, I bet that's where they're going to strike next, because you know these two are detectives now. Yeah. Um. So Gail does sneak into the party, and Ghostface gets her. Not yeah. F- she put up the yeah, yeah, she's putting up the cameras. We get kind of this cool live feed, which is pretty amazing how far the cameras have come because Gail did this in Scream. I know. Gail did this in Scream One. She took the camera, hit it, in her, hit it in the party scene, mm-hmm. and then her um, her cameraman was watching the live feed out in the van, but it was delayed by about yeah thirty seconds. These apparently have no latency whatsoever. No, <laughs> like it is. I'm surprised these cameras don't show you what's going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah, um, they were pretty good quality. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, she's stashing these cameras in the barn to record the footage, and Ghostface like comes and he he starts like covering the camera. Yeah, yeah, they're all like just turned over, and the last one it was neat because he just pans across his face. Yeah. Before it goes black. Yeah, so we like, know so we know who's doing it. Yeah. At first I thought there was like four since she put them like in different places. Oh, like four ghost faces? Yeah. Oh, that would have that would have been because she like put them all in different places, so I don't know how Ghostface got to all of them that quickly. Magic. Yeah. Ghostface has magic. That's why he wears a cloak like a wizard. <laughs> um and yeah, so we get was it Dewey? Yeah, Dewey showed up. Yes, and he's watching her as she went back in. Yeah, why do why Dewey showed up at this party knowing Gail was going to be there? I don't know. Yeah, because I feel like she was hiding all this. Yeah, him. yeah, she's been doing it all on the side. So he shows up, happens to look in the car, happens to see the live feed that Gail, as she's putting a camera down, like we see, and Dewey sees Ghostface approaching. Yeah. Approaching her from behind, of course. Then Dewey, Dewey from outside the barn by the car, no, Gail! yells, "Yells, Gail, look out!" Uh. <laughs> I don't think she heard you do. Um, but yeah, so he runs into the barn just as Ghostface stabs uh, Gail in the shoulder. It's kind of mm-hmm. like one of the last ones where it's like the glass that doesn't make sound, but she was watching him. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Queen 3 with this. That, yeah. Yeah. That's good with the soundproof glass. Um, and so they, or Dewey fires off a shot, misses, Ghostface runs off. Like, but Gail's stabbed. Jill's still at home. Haas and Perkins are parked outside. Um, Ghostface gets to them in record time. Um, yeah, so Haas and Perkins are murdered. Like per- Perkins has what might be one of the most unbelievable death scenes in the entire franchise. Yeah, where he gets stabbed point blank in the like the forehead by a very long knife, and then gets out of the car. Talks a little bit, and then collapses dead. Yeah. I, what? I've never been stabbed in the brain, but I just have the sneaking suspicion that you probably die a little quicker than that. 
Yeah, like he must have just hit it right where you know it splits. Yeah, whatever. Like where there's nothing too important there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, this is where I was like, no, Cohen. I know. Yeah, you're like my boy Adam. Adam's dead. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's just, it's, it's movie's too busy. Yes. It, I mean, this, this one was just, it was very, like, it kept you interested because it was just like, boom, 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 boom. It happened so quickly. Right. But it was, it's like, I feel like we've gone over so much detail and we've still missed so much detail. Well, yeah, there's, it's just, there's too many people. Yeah. Well, they would have almost needed more than two ghost face to yeah. to accomplish everything they're accomplishing. But I mean, when we go back to the original scream, you're really looking at Billy Stew, um, Sydney, whatever her blonde friend's name is, I forget, and Randy. Like you got five teams. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, you've got some tertiary people, but really nobody else dies outside no. of that crew. Yeah, I mean, you, Dewey and Gale as adults, you know, but you've got five teens. Scream 2, when she's in college, you're looking at her and her her black friend um, and then her boyfriend and Mickey. You're looking at, and Randy. So, again, you're looking at five. Mm-hmm. Scream 3, it's really just Dewey, Gale, and Sydney out in, Cal, you know, out in Hollywood. Yeah. And then you've, but then you've also got the actors who were playing Sydney, Dewey, and Gale. So yes, you've got a little bit larger cast, but you're still dealing with the same characters. You just have two yes. versions of them. And then you get here, and you've, like you said, you've got your main three: Dewey, Gale, Sydney. But then you've got three other police officers. Um, one, two three, four, five, six different teenagers. Like, there's just way, way too many people in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they're all given something to do. Because we haven't talked about Trevor in forever. No. And that's kind of Jill's through line, is Trevor's like, just come yeah. back to me. She's like, no, you cheated on me. But just come back to me. It's like, it's because it's boring. But it's mm-hmm. just a reason to get Trevor in there. Like, it. this movie feels like, let's start at the end of the maze and work our way back. Yeah. Like let's 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 start with our, you know, let's write this at the end and then work through reasons why everybody needs to be here. Yeah. Sydney gets a phone call that Jill's not home. Jill Ghostface calls her and say Jill left for Kirby's. So the the cops are dead, Jill's not home. She's at Kirby's. And then Ghostface attacks Sydney and her aunt. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it stabs her right through. Right, yeah. Like, they, which I thought was, I mean, yeah, like the mom, the the mom sits down and like, like. Holds the door. Like Like she braces herself against the door and the banister. She's like, they're not opening this door. And Ghostface just stabs her right through the mail slot. Yeah. Which, like, okay, hey, that's, yeah, I get it. Um. And so, yeah, Aunt's dead. Like, Jill's mom's dead. Yeah. Um, And so, again, like, we're at Kirby's house, where we have Jill, Kirby, Charlie, Robbie, and Trevor. Five characters that, because we have so many characters, none of them have really, like, we don't know any of them. 
There's not been enough development. No, we don't care. Them. We don't. Well, honestly, I, I didn't. I, I don't care about them. Yeah. Like, I've taken three movies to get to know Sidney Dewey and Gail. I care about those three. Yes. But I also know that Gail's stab in the shoulder didn't kill her. Like, I know that. Right. Because right. every murder in this franchise, if they die, you know they're dead. Like, uh-huh. you see buckets of blood and violence. And this was just a stab in the shoulder. We know we know Gail's fine. Um, but it's like, we've got this secondary plot and we still have five teenagers. Like, it's just so many. So they're all at Kirby's house after the stabathon. Um, Robbie is drunk and he's debating whether or not he's gay because his theory is gay people don't get killed in horror films. Yeah. And so he's, he's not sure if he's gay or not. Um, and it doesn't matter because Ghostface kills him anyway. Exactly. He tried, he tried not to. Right. Not before Robbie, who's been stabbed multiple times, still crawls his way to the front porch. Uh Uh-huh. Sydney shows up because she's there to get Jill. Like, apparently Sydney doesn't care about the other four teens. (laughs) No. I'm just here for Jill. Uh, Ghostface is chasing them around. Sydney calls Dewey, so let's get more people here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jill still hasn't been found. Like she took off after Ghostface's attack. Uh, Ghostface's attack. That's where I thought it was. What's his name? Charlie. No. Tre- Trevor. Yeah, you thought it was Trevor. I thought it was him because in the first one, this one reminded me of the first one. It was Billy. Cause yeah. He, like got mad and stuff. So then he was it. Yeah. So I thought it was him. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, Kirby and or Charlie's been tied up because they've been flirting off and on. Charlie's had yeah. a thing for Kirby for years. Um, and it isn't until the events of this movie that Kirby finally starts recognizing him. Uh, and Charlie's been tied up outside a la Steve in the first screen movie. Yeah. Casey Becker's boyfriend. Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Uh, if I were to ask you like Demon Slayer or Heartstoppers characters, you would you would know all of those. <laughs> um, so Kirby comes out and she frees Charlie, who's been taped up, and we finally get a reveal who yeah. part of our murders are, as Charlie just stabs Kirby in the gut. And it's so like he's like you've had no interest in me until now, right. like. Ugh. Like, so I, unfortunate. It, it's unfortunate. It's also really not fair to like, you've already stabbed her and yeah. now you're putting on her that had you liked me earlier, I would have spared you. Like what? Like, I don't know. Like that doesn't make any sense either. Like that's what I got out of this is yeah, too, too little, too late. So it's yeah. like if Kirby did like you, would you have then joined up with our next killer reveal? Like, like, yeah. that's the trajectory of his life as a teen is... Like, all because Kirby didn't like yeah, if him. Kirby he, he, if Kirby would have given me the time of day, I wouldn't become this murderous teen. Like, that's yeah. that's a stretch. Um, yeah, so... We know Charlie's the killer. A killer. Yeah. And we're, we're really down to Sydney, Jill. We don't know where Trevor went and Charlie. So, um, 
the second ghost face steps out, Charlie's got Sydney held at knife point, and the second ghost face steps out, and it's Jill. Sydney's yeah. relation. Because earlier she had like gotten a call and she the ghost face said something about family. Yeah, because some yeah, it was yeah. something about yeah, I remember <laughs> I said what it was. Something about her dog. Right, yeah. At one point I was like, does that mean the dog is the killer? Like <laughs> the dog at the end of Scream Three? Um but yeah, so uh, and Ella did say that uh at one point she goes, They're doing a much better job shutting doors in this movie than they used to. <laughs> <laughs> Although it didn't help out the mom who still got stabbed no. through a closed door. Yeah. Um so yeah, so Jill comes out and Jill's basically blaming Sydney for all this. Yeah, she's I mean, she's jealous gone rage. Yeah. Like it's I mean Unfortunately, this stuff happens in real life, I feel like. Yeah. You know, you get so jealous of someone that it just angers you. Yeah. Jill went to the extreme. Pulled yeah, the whole, she do, did. Do you know what it's like to yeah. be related to you in this town? And I'm thinking, Woodsboro didn't seem tiny. Like, they had a huge high school. Yeah. They have a police force. Like... 15 years later, everybody's still talking about Sydney surviving those murders like that. Like there's stuff that happens in our small town that three weeks later, everybody forgets about. Exactly. But and it's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Apparently in Woodsboro, it's, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's basically be like, look, I've planned all this out. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm one of the murderers, but I'm going to be the new you. I'm going to be the survivor of the ghost face killers. And this is where they reveal Trevor. Cause they're like, we are going to pin this on Trevor. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jill kills Trevor and then spends some time, you know, doctoring up, you know, making sure her prints are off the gun and, you know, things like that. And then she turns on Charlie. Yeah. Which really surprised Charlie. Like it was supposed to just be a stab in the shoulder, right. like, and Sh- she yeah, just goes right for his heart. Shoulder. Yeah, yeah, and it's like this. This was kind of a cool twist, even though this yeah. movie's very clunky. This was kind of cool because this is the first time where we haven't really seen the ghost face duo working together. Right, like this really. Like she's just straight using him this using. whole time. Even gives him a kiss, like, yeah, you know, you you're you've fallen into my trap as well. So she kills him and she's going to pin all this on Trevor, who's again already dead. But yeah. she's cut his binds off. She's, uh, you know, wiped down, wiped her prints off of things. The one thing that bothered me, though, just because is she never, like, she wiped off all the fingerprints, like, on the gun that she killed Trevor with. Mm-hmm. But then never put the gun back in his hand. I know. She, like, slid it over to right. Sydney. So it's like all of these murder weapons have no prints on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so then she stabs Sydney. Like she, she gets her in the gut. And, and then we see kind of a fun scene because the, the house hasn't been ransacked enough where we see her like basically just start beating herself up. Yeah. Like, it's like throws herself. In, yeah. She throws herself into why do, I don't know, like, we have, 
we've got pictures hanging up in our house, and I guess I don't I, I underestimate the amount of breakable glass hanging on my walls. But um, she throws herself into this like framed picture, which then shatters glass. She gets cuts all over her face. Throws herself backwards into a glass table. Like she's basically using her body to destroy to make it look yeah. like she survived a battle. Then she like shoulders herself like it was kind of brutal to watch putting that knife in it was slamming herself against the door against the the wall um and then lays herself down right next to sydney in the same pose that sydney's in like we really again we know sydney's not dead like we know she's not dead because we've seen murder in this franchise and you just stabbed her in the stomach is she hurt of course she's hurt but she's not dead right um, and so Dewey and the police finally show up and they take Sydney and Jill to the hospital. Our movie's not over. Like it could have been over right now and it would have been interesting to see how they play into a sequel if they made one. Yeah. Um, so Dewey again has no, he, the Jill story works. The events of this movie work. Like yeah, Dewey is like your survivor, you know. Jill's playing the role perfectly. She's asking how Sydney, how Sydney's doing, and Dewey's like she's she's alive. Yeah, she's, she. We think she's gonna pull through. She's an ICU, but yeah, she'll pull through. Um, they must have taken them to Woodsboro General, where they do not employ doctors. Yeah, they just have a single nurse in the entire hospital. Uh huh. Jill then goes on a rampage because, well, this doesn't work if Sydney's still alive. No. She asked about um, Gail and she said they would have like matches. Yeah. Yeah, that gave it away. And then Dewey like ran back because Gail said, well, how would she know that I had got cut? Yeah. She wasn't even there. Yeah. So Gail is still the brains behind the operation. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I... I remembered that, but I forgot to talk about it. But you're absolutely right, Ella, that Jill, like, we have matching, we have matching scars. Yeah. To which Dewey Kim was like, oh, yeah, you will. <laughs> you're right. You know, but yeah, Gail's like, how does she know where I got stabbed? It's because she's the one that stabbed you, Gail. Like, that's why. Yeah. Um. So Jill's taking off for Sydney's room. Uh-huh. Which there's not a nurse's station anywhere. No, because Jill rips off, rips her IV out, takes off the heart monitor. Not a single sensor goes off. No alarms go off at. No, all. and the the one sensor that does go off, it's like beep beep yeah. beep, and then it stops. Yeah. It's like oh, there's <laughs> not. They've got all the lights off. Everywhere in this hospital, they're saving energy. Um, there's no nurses anywhere. Like Jill makes it from her room. To a whole nother unit, like ICU, um, doesn't come across one medical professional. Not a, not a one. Um, goes into Sydney's room, and she's ready to, I mean, she's going to kill Sydney. Yeah. Um, grabs a bedpan, and she's basically going to beat her with this bedpan. Apparently, Gail's kept in an entire other wing of this hospital. Yeah. <laughs> As Dewey's on a foot chase. Um so Sydney and Jill get into a fight. Dewey, Gail, and Judy show up. Um, 
you know, we get because Dewey now will put two and two together. Uh, Jill takes Dewey down with the bedpan. And she again, takes it down pretty good, too. Yeah. There's, but again, there's still just too many characters. Yeah. Like Hicks and Gail show up. But now Jill's got Dewey's gun and shoots Hicks. Like they would go hiding and she she just shoots Hicks um, and holds Gail at gunpoint, but not before Sydney can quietly turn on the defibrillator. Yeah. Yeah, she asked her what her final words would be. Yeah, which, because, yeah, Ella was like, what's that? So I was explaining what a defibrillator does and uh, cranks it up because. Yeah, she <laughs> doesn't leave it low. Well, and you can tell from, from where, from the arm angle that. That um, yeah, because Sydney's like she got stabbed in the gut, and this is just where where Jill kept attacking it, kneeing her in the gut, punching her in the gut, like oh, ripping yes. that wound open again. So Sydney's Sydney's operating all of this from the ground. You could tell because she's like reaching her arm up, so she knows where all the buttons and all the knobs are on this defibrillation machine, despite not being able to see it. So good, good for Sydney. I'm being I'm being a jerk here. I'm kind of picking it apart a little bit, but some of it's like that's like they've done so well at this franchise, and there's some of the choices here are just too convenient. Yeah. Um, Sydney has the paddles ready. Jill, like you said, asks Gail what your final words are. Gail says clear. Puts her, you know, basically sends the full voltage of this defibrillator right through her brain. Fries Jill. Um. Sydney shoots her in the heart anyway. Dewey calls in the rest of the police. And uh, and then, but and the, kind of a cool take because nobody knew what happened inside the hospital. All these reporters are outside the hospital. And they're all still, because all yeah. they know is that Jill was the sole survivor of this attack. So mm-hmm. Jill's getting, Jill's getting the recognition she wanted. She's getting the attention that she craved. But unfortunately... She's not alive to, to take advantage of it. No. And that is the somehow the shortest movie in the Scream franchise, despite feeling... I was going to say, the long. longest. <laughs> Just so much going on. Um, it will be another 11 years before they make a Scream movie after this one. This movie did okay. I mean, it more than doubled its money. Yeah. But... The next Scream movie after this is 2022 Scream 5. Again, with wow. an entirely revamped cast. 11 years later. Um, you know, we get Jenna Ortega is in that one. Uh, you know, there's just a lot going on in Scream 5. Not, it's, I have seen it. I don't remember it either. Um, I've only seen it the one time. But it's, 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 be- I remember being better than this one. Yeah. So, um, I guess it's. Let's go ahead and grade this sucker. Ella, you want to go first? Oh, you go first, kiddo. What do you, what do you give it a grade? Uh, Courtney and I aren't ready to grade yet. We got we got some time. I don't know. What are you gonna get? What are you gonna grade it? I know normally you would want us to grade it so that you could base your grade off of our grade, but maybe a B because it was like really confusing at some points, and it was just like really busy. There you go. B for busy. That works. What are you giving it, Courtney? This has been my least favorite Scream movie Mm -hmm. so far. Uh, Just because, yeah, I feel like the 
like there was like like in the beginning they said that Saul was awful because there was no character development and I'm like there was no character development here no like I'm gonna go with the C plus just because I just like I didn't feel connected to anyone and the only person I did feel connected to was from a different TV show right yeah <laughs> so like I don't know this one just did not do it for me I just I didn't love it and I'm to the point where like I have I've really loved the first three, uh-huh. but like how, how long does the franchise go on where someone else uh, just takes over Ghostface? Welcome. Welcome to horror fandom. People have been like, people have been asking I, that question for years. Not only about this. I'm but, struggling. Yeah. Because it's like the first three were so good and they all had like legit reasons as to why the killer was the killer. Right. Like, you know, I'm getting justice for my kid. Like, you know, I'm doing this and now it's just like, all right, you're you're a jealous cousin. Like, well, and and here's here's a part I just thought of. I mean, Jill's a high school student, so yeah. even if she's a senior in high school, she was like three when all this stuff went down. Yeah. So she doesn't remember Sydney surviving any of this stuff. No, she doesn't remember any of this happening to her cousin or whatever. So it's all hearsay. Like. When when did Jill become jealous of Sydney? Exactly because like even I I can definitely understand it's still being newsworthy a couple of years later because of all of the murders going on in Woodsboro mm-hmm. and especially because Sydney survived another attack in college and another attack you know yeah there hasn't been any scream stuff going on for we'll call it a decade maybe. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know how old Sydney was when she was out in Hollywood. I don't either. But but I know it's been 15 years since Woodboro had the attacks. So, okay, so Sydney survived. I mean, I know she's out of college. So let's let's even call it like eight years, right? That maybe all of all of Sydney's events that happened, you know, in the first screen, first three screen movies, let's say they took place over a span of eight years. Okay. From high school through college to now she's like your crisis care, you know, your, your crisis hotline lady. But we'll call it eight years. All this is going on. That still would be if Jill was 18, which she's not. But if Jill was 18 years old, that still would be seven years prior. So, yeah, like all of this would have happened when Jill like finished when maybe Jill was 11. Mm-hmm. So there, I just wonder, like, like how much? If Sydney's never been back to Woodsboro, then why is there still so much fanfare? It just it seems yeah. it like you said there was justifiable purposes for everybody else's actions in the previous three movies, and this one I could understand Jill's theory, but the but the time frame just doesn't line up. Like you're too yeah. young to remember it happening. And it's been so long since it stopped happening that, like, for seven years, she's just been the talk of the town that she's never come back to. Like, it just seems, it seems a real stretch. Yeah. It, it does. It just seems a real stretch. And then, like, to not show any of that, like, to, to, I'm sorry, high school girls cannot put drama away. No. But yet, Jill's been living with all of this animosity and jealousy and nobody yeah. knows about it? No one. 
Like, no, she's got two great friends in Olivia and Kirby, and neither one of them have a clue that she's jealous of her cousin. Like, we know that our kids deal with stuff at home that they don't bring to school. But still, if it happens regularly, some of that stuff does slip in to the classroom. Mm -hmm. Not not Jill. She is a master at her emotions. Yeah. 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 Not buying it. So, yeah, you're going C+. Plus. I'm going to give it a C. Like, it's it's vanilla. Like, it's fine. They made another one. This actually, the, this, the guy who wrote the first three and the guy who directed the first three, Kevin Williamson, did all the writing of, the, of all the screen movies up to this point. And Wes Craven has directed all four of them. But this was the final film Wes Craven directed before he died. But again, we're talking six, 15, 16 years after the first one. Like, I, I feel like this movie in some ways is like when, when, you're, when you have an opportunity to have a really good comeback, but you don't think about mm -hmm. it for like an hour later, but now it's too late. Well, this movie is like they showed up and made that comeback comment anyway, and it just doesn't yeah. fit. Like, it's just too late. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm going to give it a C. I, I, I love Wes Craven as a director, um, but this movie just, it, it's not the worst movie we've watched. Right. But when you, it's, it's the disappointing sibling to, to the rest yeah. of the family. Um, there's just so much going on. So much. Um, and it's hard to figure out like what, what they're trying to say, like what, what's the yeah. point they're trying to make, but whatever. But we do, like I said, we do get another one 11 years later, but again, it's a whole nother generation of kids, you know, um, that they're going to be coming out with, you know, they're going to be pandering to the writing did get better. Like I remember screen five being very solid. It's a solid film. Um, I you know, do they, so Scream Queens, have you watched that at all? I have not. I wonder if that's like a spinoff of... Um, I don't, I don't think so. I know there was a Scream the TV show. Scream Queens. Because it has Emma Roberts in it. Right. But it has not, it also has Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, who of course from Halloween. Yeah. But no, that one... This is a semi-anthology series that centers on characters being terrorized by a serial killer in different locations, including a university and a hospital. So no, I don't think that does. But I know there was a Scream the TV show. Um, I think so. Yeah, Scream the TV series that came out in 2015. Okay. It, it lasted 29 episodes. Um, but I, I never watched it. The mask doesn't look the same. Like they're playing off the. And it could be good. It's got a seven out of ten on yeah. IMDb, but it. I almost feel like it's an attempt to be like you really love you really love Scream that much. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, we'll give you some more. You know, I, in a way that like the Marvel movies and even Star Wars are going on on like Disney Plus. Like I love Marvel and I love Star Wars. But I don't have time to digest. Every no. piece that you keep throwing, every show, every cartoon, I, I just don't. And so Scream tried, I think, with that show. Like, we'll do a couple seasons of it, I guess. And it might be really good, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a film guy. I'm not a, I'm yeah. not a TV guy. I like a good TV show, but um, I'm not a, I'm just not a 
never been a follower, despite being a horror fan, never been a big fan of horror television. I just feel like yeah. if it's on TV, there's you're limited in what you can do. And mm-hmm. so, um, what what lesson do you have to pull from this one? I think Gray's trying to get your attention back there. First off, they're on the counter. Here, sit down. Don't sit down. Lord help us all. Yeah. Um, the lesson that I think, I don't know. The lesson I want to say from this is like, when you have a word count on a paper, <laughs> <laughs> don't try and just add words in. Like, you know, and maybe this goes for teachers. Like, sometimes I feel like things can be done in a shorter amount of time or a shorter period of words. Mm-hmm. Like, don't make the word count a thousand words when it can be done in 600. Right. And don't downplay the kid that can deliver yeah. a tight, full manuscript or, you know, whatever writing. Yes. If if they, you know, because I've, I've said that, I've championed that for years, you know, of... When I when I was in the classroom teaching reading or teaching English as well as just helping kids with their stuff, I don't like a word count. I don't either because it's too much. Like I feel as if less words I can get my point across. That's that. But when you have like a seven hundred and fifty word count, I'm like in the year of nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, you know you're, it's like no, we don't need that. You you a good writer. Now I understand there's there's good writers and there's bad writers and then there's those kids that you can move up up the chain a little bit. Yeah. Giving them skills and helping them helping them practice skills that will improve their writing is much more beneficial than saying you have to have 1500 words. Yeah. Because you that's going to make those those bubble kids bad writers. Because they're going to be so focused on the word count that they're fluffing their piece. Yeah. And my, and I've said to kids for years, I'm like, go to the library. And if you can, if you can find that every book in the library has the same number of pages, then I'll believe a word count matters. Yeah, exactly. But the, like, of course they it don't. just, no. And it's like some of the books that I've been reading this summer, I say books, plural. I've read one book this summer, but you've read but it. It's like, so. <laughs> some of the chapters in it are two pages long and those are the best chapters. Right. And it's like the length doesn't matter. Like don't be shoving so many characters in there. I don't know. I've just kind of went off on a rant, but no, I, and honestly (laughs) you went the word count. I I was going to go, I was going to go the character route, honestly. Uh, So we basically had the same lesson here is students. If you're writing or teachers, if you're assigning writing, um, get, get the, Get out of the way and let the writing happen. Let the ideas flow onto the paper. And I know that is very difficult for some kids. And that's okay. Those are your kids that need extra help. Those are your kids that need story starters. Those are your kids that need graphic organizers. Like, that's going to happen. But then there's kids that are just going to go. And yeah. when you give a pay, when you give a word count limit, those kids are going to stop. Some of them will. Some of them will stop writing because they've hit their word count, which Mm -hmm. diminishes their, you know, like 
when I think, I mean, when you think of two of the most successful writers in the history of, of literature, you know, you could, you could argue you're thinking of Stephen King and JK Rowling, you know, that those two are very widely known. It's funny that you said that too, because when you said that, I was like, he's probably going to ask me. And those are the first two that came yeah, to my mind. Right. <laughs> you know, cause, but it's like, yeah, the Harry Potter books get longer and longer after each yes. one. And Stephen King has, I mean, he's written short stories, but he also writes thousand page novels and <laughs> yeah, that get, and that's okay. Like get out of the way and let the writing happen. And so I'm absolutely with you on that one. I feel like this one was, we have, we almost like we have to have this many people and we have to have mm -hmm. this many scenes. And it just, it, it felt just like, it just felt too much. Like, I feel like we were watching the, 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 the version before things were cut. Yeah. Like, okay, now pare this down. And I mean, 90 minutes is your goal. This is 111. Like you could have trimmed 11, you could have trimmed 21 minutes out of this. Yeah. And it would have been a tighter film and have been fine. Mm -hmm. Like you could have gotten away. You easily could have cut out deputy Hicks. And everything she had to offer, and you wouldn't have missed mm -hmm. anything in this. You could have no. gotten rid of the publicist, and nothing would have changed in this movie. No, right? Um, you could have cut it down to one film, one film kid, mm -hmm. and nothing would have changed in this movie. Not at all. You know, you could have gone with no-name actors as the deputies outside, and. Nothing would have changed in this movie. You still could have killed them. Yeah. You just maybe killed them off screen. Yeah. You know, like you could have saved, you could have cut them. Eh, you couldn't really have cut Jill's mom out because she's a teenager and needed a parent. But, right. Um, she didn't have to die. No. Because Jill killed her. She even comments yeah. like, no, she, that had to happen. No, it didn't. Had to go. Like, that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm with you on that one. hundred percent is like, eh, no, no one enough is enough, especially from this duo who had made three very successful screen movies yeah. at this point. They know what they're doing. They just, and Wes Craven had said, I'm not coming back to make another screen movie unless the script is as good as the first one. Mm -hmm. Well, he again was up in his age and apparently was just yeah. capable of making poor decisions, but that's okay. Rest in peace, Mr. Craven. I do love you. He, he's the creator of Nightmare on Elm Street. So Freddy Krueger is his invention. Uh, love me, love me some Wes Craven. Well, I have a, I have an idea that might help streamline things a bit for us. All right. I was going to text you, but I thought no, we'll just talk about it. We are we are always wanting to fill what we need to fill, right? And we're always like, do you have something that we want to? We want to shuffle, et cetera. So here's my idea. Why don't we rotate? Okay. Why don't we rotate okay. through where we do, and I'll, I'll kind of keep tabs, I think, um, where we'll rotate through that. We'll do a week where I bring a movie to the table. We do a week where you bring a movie to the table. We do a week where we cross a, cross a movie off the list. Okay. And then we just do a shuffle. Okay. Because I think a lot of the movies that we've shuffled across, neither one of us necessarily would have brought to the table, like Dust Devil. Right. I would have never brought Dust Devil to the table. <laughs> um, and I know you wouldn't have. 
but uh or or even like the reading i would have never i didn't even know about that movie but you found it and brought it to the table so i'm thinking that'll give us the that's most months have four weeks it's now that school's gonna be starting up realistically that's what we're looking at is probably four episodes a month um to where that gives us a nice rotation uh and then of course we got two more screen movies but those will be the movies i bring to the table you know with 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 miss sunshine over here um Next time, I think when we do Scream 5, we might switch seats and I'll let you run the show. You've had, hey, this is your fourth episode and it's co-pilot. Yeah. You, you can you can do your diligence and actually. <laughs> You're driving next time, yeah, Ella. Yeah, it's time. Huh? You sit here and you talk. Ah, uh, well, who are these movies? <laughs> She'll be sick next time. It is a, it's a horror <laughs> podcast, Ella. It's supposed to be scary. Um, these movies aren't that scary, though. I know they're not that scary. You really haven't seen a scary movie yet. I mean, when I watched the first one with my friends, one of them screamed. Yeah, but, but it wasn't even scary. But yeah, that they, that didn't that scared you. That startled you. But yeah, yeah, like, you really haven't seen much. Did you? We watched Happy Birthday to You together, didn't we? Yeah, and you liked that one. You were okay with that one. Me? Happy Birthday to Me, not Happy Birthday. That one to was you. just confusing. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. She needs to watch like the strangers. I know. Although well, she might, she might be crawling into bed with you yeah, and Jenny. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take our time on some. Yeah. yeah, we we're we're we've gotten to the point where we're okay with the language, but mm-hmm. um, I think the strangers would be okay. Like obviously we we we're not ready for nudity. We're not ready yeah. for intimate scenes. Um, yeah. But and and neither one of these had it, you know. So we'll be okay. But yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, are you okay with that rotation? I'm perfectly fine with that rotation. Well, um, well, I've been making a list. What's that? I've been making a list. Okay, good. Well then let's go ahead. (laughs) Let's look at it as this was my episode to bring to the table. So why don't we do like me, then you, then poster, then shuffle. Okay. Okay. So this was me. So now Um, what do you, what do you got? Okay. So is one missed call streaming anywhere? Yes. Have you seen it? Which one? I didn't know there were multiple. Oh, yeah. I have just seen the one on TikTok. I'm sure you're talking about the remake. It's a newer one. Yeah. 2008? Yeah. Yep. Because it is... Um, it was based on a... There was a span in the, two, in like the mid-2000s where Hollywood... I mean, Hollywood's been out of ideas for a while, but there was a span in the mid 2000s where basically whatever Asia is doing with their horror, we're going to go ahead and just do a remake of it. And so this, I believe One Missed Call was a remake of a of a Japanese film, possibly. Yeah, in 2003. Yeah. And so uh, that's that's what that's was our that was what we did for horror for a long time but it worked because that's how we got the ring that's how we got the grudge grudge um you know one missed call dark water um there's all kinds of them i mean there are a slew of them um pulse uh with Kristen bell there there was a whole bunch of them that were just really creepy foreign from the asian market that were like well that's really it's really doing well over there. Yeah. Let's reach over here. <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, one missed call. We can do that for sure. 2008's one missed call. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, so we will be back next week with the 2008 horror mystery, one missed call. Um, social media wise, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, the, I will say this before we go, the original one missed call, um, from 2003 directed by Takashi Miike. Takashi Miike is, you like gore? Yeah, you're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get that out of Miike. Um, some of his stuff is, is way out there. Like you watch it and you're like, wow. Um, kind of scroll through his filmography audition is one of it, it's a fantastic movie it's long it's, it's a great movie but it's constantly in like top list of like scariest movie ever made okay um and it is it's very good and it's very um stomach inducing in some parts for sure uh but yeah so he did it. Um, yeah, audition. Uh, what was the other one he did? Ichi the Killer was another one that he's very well known for. That's not much, that's not so much horror as much as it is. Um, uh, it's like an action. It's it's crime. It's um, but it follows a psychologically damaged man who's manipulated into assaulting or killing rival faction members of a yakuza gang while also being pursued by a sadomasochistic enforcer. So a lot of body horror in this one, a lot of self-mutilation. It's, but it's all practical effects as well. Yeah, so he had really, really done a lot of solid stuff. Uh, and he's still working today. Um, but a lot of TV shows and a lot of film over in Japan. So the original One Missed Call is based on that movie. Um, it's a remake of that one. So if they stick to the goriness of it, it could be pretty good. I've not seen it, but I know it is streaming. So, so we will be back next week to watch one missed call. Uh, we've got probably maybe one, possibly two more episodes before school starts up, depending on how we schedule our time. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get the poster out and see what's even on there. I had it out once at Father's Day, but I forgot what was there. So, um, but yeah, so for another, yeah, we can mark, I'm sure screens on there. We can mark. Okay. Ella remembers. Um, and so, yeah, for another episode of Dedication, I'm Mike. And I'm Courtney. And that's Ella. <laughs> and that's Ella. And we'll, <laughs> and we'll be back next week with one missed call.